For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Recorded live. Okay, so today is uh, May 26, 2017. It is a little after 2.03 p.m. So we didn't have much to clear about, which is awesome. Me and Myra, we are doing our thing here with Happily Ever After, Session 3. Uh, session 3 is about emotions. I think, actually, this is the most important uh, uh, you know, boundary block for uh, you and uh, Rob as a couple. And um, I think that this will um, make a difference in, in how you're interacting with him and vice versa. Um, and anyhow, so uh, just as a reminder of the entire program, the six sessions, this is session number three, where at the end of this we'll be halfway through. Um, it covers the five biggest problem areas in relationships. I, you know, I've been looking around for a while. I've been watching couples. Um, I first started really paying attention to couples when I was working as a uh, salesperson in a furniture store in North Carolina at the end of 2001. And I was there until 2004. Then I came north and I did a man, I joined this program, I did this program, the Sterling Men's Weekend. And then I was on a men's team for seven years and I got introduced to a woman's program and all this stuff. Right. So I'm starting to really study relationships. Not, not before that. Anyhow, um, while I was there, I used to watch the couples. They kind of acted the same way all the time. You know, it was like <laughs> the couples that was, you know, been together for more than 10 years. I think 10 years was the early, um, earliest part where they were like in that happily ever after mood and it was real as opposed to fantasy, like I hope it stays this way kind of way, you know what I mean? Like settles, this is it, end of the story till somebody dies. That's how they were, you know? And, um, you know, when I look at, when I talk, the reason I'm bringing this up is when I look at all of the things that could go wrong in a relationship, I don't know if anything that can go wrong it's outside of these five categories is why I'm saying that. And, um, you know, then I, I'm blessed to have a brother who's been married 27 years. He got three kids. One, his son is, his son is 15, and then he's got a three-year-old and a two-year-old. <laughs> I'm like, what happened all of this time? All of a sudden, you got kids again? He said, yeah, oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Like, he said, yeah, I man. To, I got disconnected. Oh, I didn't even realize that. What's the last thing you heard me say? Oh, my God. Well, it's on the recording anyhow, but. Okay, good. Thank you. I'm yeah, ready yeah, yeah. now. Okay, okay. okay. What's the, what the last thing you heard me say? Uh, that, uh, something about a, a store and uh, the way you oh. have been watching people and yeah, you saw yeah. something with the couples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, what I was saying is that I saw that between being on a men's group for seven years and watching those guys in their marriages and being around a women's group and watching them and their relationships and listening to the trainers and all of that stuff, I, I see that, like, over over a lifetime, over since two thousand and one, really, um, I have uh, these five categories for happily ever after. Where the problem areas are, I have yet to see anything that's outside of these five problem areas. You know, um, that's you know even criminal activity fits under structural and other breakdowns, which is the next session. You know, so it's like it's amazing. You know, um, I get a chance to watch my one of my younger brothers. 
Um, my dad had two uh, kids with my mother, and then he left, and then he had seven more all over the place. He's popular. He's popular. And uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm sharing that because the impact of these categories, if you could master master the understanding of and, and the, the resolving of the issues that can happen in these different categories, and there will be plenty of times where there will be two or three categories combined in a problem then, um, you know, it'll be easy for you to have a great, happy relationship uh, until, you know, somebody passes away. I mean, really. So um, this emotion thing is going to be a big deal for you. Uh, I was thinking about that last night, like, ooh, yeah, okay. Um, It's not going to be hard. It's just going to be like, whoa, kind of like that. So um, so that's kind of about it. So um, thank you for letting me share. I'm one of those uh, off-the-top kind of guys, if you haven't already figured that out. (laughs) So, since uh, last session to now, uh, I want to hear, like, what you've gotten, what's stuck, what what you've got questions about, you know, any results, anything like that. It's been a few weeks. Um, Tony, I can't think of anything right now. Let me see. And yeah, um, the one that I was very present to is the one where you say that, uh, like acknowledging him, like yes. the need for a man to take care of a woman. It's, yes. it's, it's like built in by the Rob. So for yes. me to to see that that's what his commitment is, yeah. and uh, and to always uh, like acknowledge him for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I want to put something on top of that. So when he was working, he was always in charge, pretty much, right? He had, like, one or two bosses. But even then, they left him alone because it was like, go do your thing, come back and tell me how it went. So most of the time, when he would go around, people listened to him like he knew what he was doing and he was in charge, and they respected that, right? that accurate? Oh, I'm sorry. I was on mute. Yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't get a chance to be that way with you. No. Right. He can't he doesn't get a chance to be as successful with you as he is with you know, uh the people that he uh managed, people that he um worked for. It's it's like you know, it's a damn shame is how it feels to him, I'm pretty sure. I would definitely uh uh lean in that direction of like damn. And so uh my question to you is um how are you going to help him experience the success, not like the results of success, not like he needs to do these things to be like the super manager in the house, but like how could he feel as good at coming home as he did at work for his career? Like that's a challenge I give to you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is a challenge because uh, since he retired and he's been at home, he took over a lot of the things in the house. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he just took over, and um, he makes a lot of decisions uh, on his own. Yes. And um, he's used to it. He's, used he's been to living it, that yeah. way. For, he's been living that way for decades. Yeah. And I'm also going to give you another um, thing to think about, which doesn't have anything to do with this program, but I know it's going to make a difference. So uh, I did this program called. Uh, 
um, in sync with the opposite sex, and then another one did understanding women one understanding women unlocking the mystery. And it was done by a program called Pax Programs, and um, also read a book that they had called Keys to the Kingdom. I, I do recommend you get it, but you don't have to. It's not necessary. I'm gonna just tell you the fundamentals of it, even though it's experiential and it's reading. It's like wow, you know. Uh, she uses um, stories to communicate the distinctions uh, in ways it's hard to misunderstand. But anyhow, turns out that men and women develop differently. It's like uh, women are already pretty much who you are from early on, and, you know, you just get smarter, wiser. But men, we develop through stages. Like there are certain stages in our development that are um, different from at a different age. I don't know if you ever noticed how different men are at different ages. Um, You might not have ever noticed, and most women probably don't, but if you ever did, a 60-year-old man is going to act different than a 40-year-old man is going to act different than a 20-year-old man, and it's not about maturity. So so let me explain to you. Let me explain to you what's going on. And, And you've been married long enough for you to see him go through at least three of these stages I'm about to say, okay? So the way Alison Armstrong describes the different stages that men go through, stages of a man's development, uh, the stages of a man's life, actually, um, we go through, I don't know if it's five or six stages. I'm just going to spit them out, and then you'll see. So we are, as a young man, uh, up until about, from, from about eight, from about age seven or eight to about 15, I'm going to say, roughly, um, we are, and using the analogy of the Middle Ages, um, we are pages. A page in the Middle e- in the Middle Ages was a uh, young up-and-coming buck who was admiring the knights, helping to clean, learning about how to take care of the horses and, you know, practicing with his sword, trying to be successful like the knights, admiring the knights, you know. And then he gets about 15 and all of a sudden, he becomes a knight, and now he wants to be successful and have fun and adventure, and life is an adventure, unless he's getting depressed by, by the surroundings around him. He's in a world called, who am I, and what am I doing, and let me express myself. And so uh, between, uh, say, say 15, and as early as 28, as late as 35, depending on the man, he realizes something. Oh, damn, I'm not a king. I don't have a kingdom. Oh, damn. So now all of a sudden she terms him as a prince because he realizes he's not a king. And so he goes into prince mode, which is nose to the grindstone, work hard, try to be successful, you know, do all of this stuff so he could be the, the success he's always wished that he was. But before then he was just having fun. But then one day he realizes he's got an empty life. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. We stop. The buck stops right here. And that's where we go. So then – for the next 10 to 15 years, um, from, like, say, say, the late 20s to, like, the mid-40s, nose to the grindstone, I, I got to do this. So, you know, uh, uh, dads at that age, they're usually not home very much. But they're so busy trying to create who they really are for themselves, at least who they think they are for themselves. Uh, they ain't got time for much else. I mean, they love everybody, but and about, another thing about it is their attention span is, like, almost none. They got very little attention span beyond the achievements that they're out to accomplish. And then towards the end of that stage, they become kind of grounded, kind of, 
They can start to feel good. They can start predicting the way their life is going and stuff like that, right? Except for one thing. Now what happens is they you, – you've heard of the midlife crisis, yes? Yes. Yes, I have. Yes. Uh, you've probably seen him go through the midlife crisis? No. You've been married for – how old is he? Um, I've been married 20 years, and he's 63 right now. Uh, you definitely saw the, the midlife crisis. You just didn't know what it was. Got it. Okay. So, um, so, so the midlife crisis, she calls it going through the tunnel. And uh, the midlife crisis, the man don't know he's going through the midlife crisis. He's just going through it. And it's driving him crazy because all of a sudden life is just no longer the same. It's like um, everything that used to be up is now down. Everything used to be black is now white. Everything used to be red, used to, used to be red is now blue. And everything is soft is now hard and vice versa. It's like you feel like you're losing their mind. They don't have the language for it. There's nobody else to talk about it. And what's happening is in that the longest it'll last is two years, usually a year and a half to two years. It's He's going through reinvention of himself spiritually, psychologically, and emotionally. And what happens is uh, in that time period, he's going from being a caterpillar to a butterfly. When he comes out, all of a sudden, he's grounded. Like, I know who I am. No questions about it. I don't care what else is happening. I'm me. And he realizes, without knowing the language to it, that this is the me I've always been the whole time. This is the kingdom that I thought I was over there creating. The kingdom was me. And now he becomes a king. And so a king personality type, now the king has got lots more energy and time to be with family, to be with whoever. Um... And he wants to give his knowledge out like he lost his mind, like, oh, my God, I mean, I can take care of you. I can show you this. And, you know, he's, he's probably easy as a granddad. You know, the kids can sit on his lap because he just wants to make sure that everybody gets what he's got because he's the king and he's in charge and that's how it goes. And then um, if he's around longer, and very few men get to the next level, which would be known as an elder, um, and an elder um, doesn't offer much in the way of, uh, advice and stuff like that. The elder just allows others to pick his brain, pick his energy like that, but he doesn't offer. King will tell you what's going on. Or a um, a um, uh, an elder will wait, kind of like a Buddha kind of thing, and let you come to him. He'll take care of you, but he's going to ask you questions and let you come to your own conclusions rather than him tell you, uh, you know what he's got. So those are the different stages of a man's life. Now, have you, as I was talking to them, does any of that seem clear or you recognize any of that anywhere with any man, maybe not Rob, but anybody? I've seen the category of, of men um, when when they are uh, building their castle, you know, when they really yeah. take on, like, boom, you know. Uh, yes. They're not they're not around the family that much. I can see it when they're always thinking it's about succeeding in it. And, and yeah. creating something for later. Right. I've seen that stage. Um, yeah. Rob's not there yeah. anymore. Rob's not there. No. No, he's yeah. past that. Yeah, yeah. He's a king. Yeah. And he's annoyed. So what happens a lot of the time, and you've probably heard of, you know, older men marrying younger women. Yes, right? I have. They get divorced and uh-huh. then they marry young. You know why they do that? Not because she's younger. but Because she listens to him. 
She looks up to him, and you need somebody to look up to him because he's got something worth looking up to. Yeah, I've heard about that, yeah. Yeah, but you don't look up to him. Right, you don't look up to him, and he needs you to look up to him because he's got something worth looking up to. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense now. That totally makes sense. Yeah, he's done all of this stuff. Now he's ready to, like, he doesn't want to die with his music in him. But he can't. Got it. It's not even ego. It's it's like I got all of his gifts, and you won't take any of them. Now he's talking to you, and then that's where he goes. So you can't be successful around you. So I'm telling you that. So now, now that I said all of that, um, I'm going to uh, go into the emotions because the emotions, well, remember when I talked about that, you know, the, the relationships are three-dimensional, right? There's you, there's your partner, then there's the space in between called the relationship, right? Do you remember that? Say that again? So, a relationship is three-dimensional. There's you, there's Rob, then there's the space in between called the relationship, right? Yes. Yes. Right. So, there's there's a place where you both make agreements on and you you learn how to cooperate and you, like, you blend your life with his. And the space in between is the meeting between the minds and the hearts and the souls and all that stuff, right? So, now, I also said that the space in between has two elements. It's two-dimensional. Remember me saying that? Yeah, a little bit, yes. Yeah, so it's part business, part baby, right? The baby is the emotional side. The business is the impersonal side, right? The thing side, right? Okay, yeah. Okay, got you. Um, you sound a little distracted. You got stuff going on in the background, huh? <laughs> I'm moving from one room to another room. Okay, okay, got you. One second. All right. Okay, I'm good. Okay. Thank you. Okay, good. Okay, good. So, um, so yeah. So today we're going to talk about the baby side of the business, the emotional side of the uh, relationship, the space in between. So I brought it okay. up the other day, but we're going we're going in now. Okay, you ready? Yes, definitely. Okay, great. Okay, um, so we're going to start talking about uh, emotions, and what I want to start off by saying is. The impact of being controlled by one's emotions on you, your partner, and the relationship. Because if you are controlled by your emotions, then um, these are the results you're going to be producing. You're going to be producing regret, alienation, destroyed sense of trust. Uh, Having short-term actions create unwanted long-term consequences. Uh, being considered unsafe in the eyes of others, particularly a partner. Let me make creating negative customer service experiences. You're going to leave your partner feeling invalidated, hurt, unloved, etc. You've seen all of that, right? Yes. Yes, yes. I have. Yes. So now uh, I'm going to bring up a, what I believe is a new concept for you. Anyhow. Um, it's called a relationship's emotional environment. Every, emo- every, every 
relationship has an emotional environment. So the collective feelings that occur between the people in any relationship make up the relationship's emotional environment. This occurs regardless of the type of relationship involved, work, play, romantic, family, enemies, doesn't matter. Uh, just to let you know that, that an emotional environment could be a corporate structure. It could be a departmental structure. It's the collective emotions at the most fundamental level that everybody more or less is all on the same page around would be, uh, was, would be a relationship emotional environment. If it's a company culture, you know, they've probably got their, they've got their overall um, emotional culture, and then each department's got their own as a version of it. Uh, but, yeah, we're dealing with the fact that you and Rob have an emotional environment. So, so by the okay. way, if you were to describe the fundamental emotional environment of your relation with Rob, what, how, what would you call it? What would you, how would you say it is? Oh, my gosh. Um, the emotional environment, I would say volatile. <laughs> Got it. Ouch. No wonder we're working here. Got it. <laughs> nah. Yeah, it's, it's a very shaky ground. Uh, mm. One word can totally make an explosion. Mm. Got it. Okay. Interesting. Okay, great. I'm going to continue now. So people rarely ever pay attention to the impact of their feelings and emotions on others. Because of this, people don't know how they contribute to the quality of the relationships they find themselves in. This also has people be at the effect of how they feel and the feelings of others as if they have no control of their feelings. You have the power to influence every relationship you find yourself in if you can merely remember that you already are contributing to whatever relationship you're involved in already. An emotional environment, I'm going to put volatile, by the way. I've got to add that to this, I swear to God. I, I, I forgot about that particular term, and it's, it speaks so loudly. So anyhow, an emotional environment can be loving, violent, cynical, fun, manipulative, Regret, re, regretful, empowering, you actually get to say. From now on, choose which ways you want to feel and focus on that rather than on the emotions of others. Ah, okay. Let me say that again. From now on, choose which ways you want to feel and focus on those feelings rather than on the emotions of your partner or others. With enough intensity, you will eventually have others feeling exactly as you do. Did that land? Yes. To choose the emotions that I want to feel with intention and um, and not necessarily focus on the emotions that others have. Right. So I don't know if you notice when I'm with you, talking with you, it doesn't matter how you're feeling. I don't know if you notice that. I, I try to bring you to a place that I know is more emotionally beneficial for you than where you're at. Don't know if yeah. you realize that or not, right? Like, I don't care. You're upset, you're sad, you're happy, whatever. Like, I'm just going to bring you back to being loving, intentional, and having a relationship that works. 
That's the only thing I care about because I know that's what you care about. Got it. The last long conversation we had was should be a pretty pretty clear example of that. But I'm gonna give you some more examples of that. Have you ever uh, watched um, um, Driving Miss Daisy? Oh, I love that movie. Yes. I know. Hoke was the man. <laughs> because for him to put put the, to put up with her, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. Right, and then another movie I love, um, uh, which is um, uh, A Beautiful Mind. You remember, did you ever see that movie? Yeah, the wife. I don't know how she was able to be with that guy mentally. That was the most romantic movie I ever saw. You remember that moment where he had lost his mind? He went to the, he went to Princeton after all of those years, and you know the first day back, and he lost his mind. He's screaming. Everybody's watching him. Remember that? Yeah. Uh huh. And then he comes home, and he's like, I don't think I can make it. Maybe I need to go back to the clinic. And she reaches her hand out. She says, and he touches it, and she says, maybe we try one more day. Every time I see that, I want to cry. That's the most romantic movie I've ever seen in a movie. Because it, it wasn't about romance. It was about, I don't care. I love you no matter what. Yeah. Her emotions, her emotions were stronger than his. So, I'm staring at because the next statement is, in this conversation, is the person with the strongest emotions is in charge of the relationship, at least for as long as they have the strongest emotions. Let me say that again. The person with the strongest emotions is in charge of the relationship, at least for as long as they have the strongest emotions. Okay, and in the strongest emotions means... Uh, I'm going to explain it to you. Okay. I'm going to explain it. You've got to figure it out. So if you've noticed, babies always dominate the space they're in. If they're happy, even the meanest thugs will start smiling for at least as long as they're in the presence of a baby. You notice that, right? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. They've they got the strongest emotions. They don't know that they got the strongest emotions. They just feel what they feel, and that's it. Even if they're crying and screaming, everybody's like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter who. The only people that, that, that would have a problem with that, that would do something bad about that, is people that, that, are, um, that have some kind of a mental or emotional problems, like, what's wrong with you, baby? And they make, make wrong machines, something like that. And then they might damage a baby. I've seen, you know, you've seen almost from time to time, you know, YouTube videos or Facebook videos of, you know, child abuse or something. But, I mean, outside of normal circumstances, babies are in charge. <laughs> they may need your help, but you better help them, right? Yeah. Right. So when a boss is angry, they dominate the space they're in. Not just because they're the boss, because they're the one with the strongest emotions. Now, their emotional strength often comes from the fact that there won't be any consequences for them being angry or whatever they're feeling precisely because they're the boss. It's not necessarily true, but that's usually how it goes. Their emotional intensity dominates much more than their title and often adds to the strength to the, of their title if they're using their emotions that way. That doesn't apply to every manager 
But when a manager expresses his emotions strongly over his underlings, the underlings almost always cower, and he's in charge. He or she is in charge, right? Yeah. Yeah. But now, having the strongest emotions doesn't mean having the ugliest emotions, such as anger, hatred, or intolerance. It could also be the coolest, most loving, or compassionate. That would explain Martin Luther King, Mahatma Gandhi, and Nelson Mandela, for example. If you focus on being loving, understanding, compassionate, or generous to the fullest extent possible, you'll have relationships go your way in the end. Wow. Okay. There's more to it, but I'm I'm going to go a little bit into this, and then I'll keep it going. So, now, you know, I brought up Hoke, and I brought up, you know, um, a beautiful mind, right? So, um, there was another scene in um, A Beautiful Mind where John Nash's wife um, goes by Princeton and she's got the baby in the carriage. Remember that scene? Yeah. And the guy's like, so how you doing? And she starts talking about this, that, that. He said, no, 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 no. How are you doing? And then she says this amazing thing. Oh, my God. She says, uh, you know, sometimes it's really, really hard. It feels so unfair how this is going. But then every once in a while, I look at him the way I want him to be, and then he becomes that guy. And I don't do it a lot, but I do it just enough, and it works. Something like that, paraphrasing. Okay. She keep creating him to be this great guy. So if she could do that to a guy who is schizophrenic, you could do that to Rob. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's definitely possible. Um, well, if you choose, it's likely. Yeah. Especially since you got the distinctions to be able to make it happen. So, um, and then the other thing, the other movie, which is why I love those these two movies so much, is that um, I remember when Jessica Tandy, Miss Daisy, got pissed off at um, Hulk for taking some cans of vegetables because she counted everything <laughs> all the time. Remember that? And he brought it home, yeah. brought it back in the next day, said, "Hey, Miss Daisy, sorry I, I took your stuff last night, but I couldn't. I would have told you if I was gonna, but he wasn't around, so I'll bring it back. Here it is." And she she said all that before she could say a word. She's like, right. damn, I couldn't chew him up, right? And, 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 you know, another time he bought a new car, and she's like, how can you buy a new car? How could you do that? You working for me? I ain't paying you that much. How did you get the money to do that? And his car was nicer than her car, right? Yeah, <laughs> and he was like, that's between me and your son. <laughs> yeah, Not a, like, yeah. Right? But the biggest deal was when she finally got to the uh, – um, the, the, the senior citizen center, senior citizen home, and yeah. she knew he, she didn't want to do nothing with her son. Screw you! I just want hope. Yeah. It took twenty five years for him to hold it down, for her to get it. Twenty five. I'm sorry. Twenty five years for for her to get what? To get that hope 
was winning the emotional conversation. Oh. <sighs> yes, he was very steady. He was very, like, relentless with what, the way he was. Yep. He never loving, lost it. Loving, generous, um, you know, protective. Yep. Compassionate. He never, she couldn't shake him for nothing. It took her 25 years to get off it. At the end, she loves him. It might take that long. It took uh, Mahatma Gandhi 30 years to get Great Britain out of India. 30. <sighs> By being that. They choose the emotions, the strongest emotions. Yep, he had the strongest emotion, but it wasn't the ugliest. You know, let me tell you a little quick something about Martin Luther King Jr. He was invited by John F. Kennedy to come to the um, White House to honor the 100 most influential blacks Um. Uh, in celebration of the uh, Emancipation Proclamation by uh, Abraham Lincoln. And Kennedy, I mean, not Kennedy, King had been talking to uh, Kennedy for a while about creating a new declaration, a new Emancipation Proclamation. And Kennedy was like, nah, we ain't hearing that. Sorry, bro. That ain't happening. <laughs> he didn't say it like that, but it wasn't happening with Kennedy. And, um, and so Martin Luther King did not go to that 100 most influential black men to celebrate the Emancipation Proclamation. And he wanted a new one because that wasn't working well enough. So, and his team wasn't going. Nobody on his team was going. And so after, he, after Kennedy was assassinated, he started working on um, Johnson, Lyndon Baines Johnson, and um, – the uh, Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act were his version of the Emancipation Proclamation. Like, that was the equivalent for him that he accomplished his goal. He was not standing down. He got arrested at least 30 times while he was being a civil rights activist. Wow. At least 30. Beat up. All of that. But he had the strongest emotions. He wasn't trying to hear nothing. That's the way it's going down. So if those single individuals could could out-emotionalize literally hundreds of millions of people, you could do that with, with Rob. Yeah, definitely. If, if John Nash's wife could do that with John Nash, you could do that with Rob. It's way easier. Now, I'm going to show you how to do that. I'm going to give you some some uh, information and some power on how to do that. You ready? Yes. So, um, every relationship has an emotional environment. And inside of that emotional environment, there's a thing that you may have heard a term called the emotional currency. Okay. So, 
The way to take care of your relationship is to be responsible for the memories that exist in a relationship. These memories make up what are referred to as emotional currency. Each memory brings a certain quality of life to relationship depending on the quality of the memory. Romantic memories provide romantic emotional currency, but it can also provide intimacy, vulnerability, and friendship. Conversely, angry outbursts create memories of fear and validation, lack of respect, and domination. Most people won't remember what you said or did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Each incident creates a certain quality of feeling and either adds to or subtracts from the desired emotional state of a relationship. Given this reality, it would make sense that creating great memories would be a wise thing to do. Most people know this unconsciously. They do something messed up or blow their stack and turn around and do something special for the person they just blew up on to try to make up for the emotional explosion that just happened a short time ago. Yeah. Unfortunately, they don't know that it's often too little too late. The time to do those nice things was before the explosions, not after. With enough memories of lovingness, mercy, forgiveness, generosity, and other forms of expression of love and affinity, relationships can withstand many strongly negative incidences without a scratch and a few of the worst kinds of incidences, such as infidelity and criminal activity. With enough love, a lot of relationships can even handle infidelity. Just ask hmm. Coretta Scott, just, just ask Coretta Scott King. Because she did oh. not... Do you follow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I ain't saying, I'm not saying all of them, but with enough real love and commitment, enough of a powerful, powerfully loving emotional environment, even that could happen, get to take care of it. Not, that's not to say any relationship can survive those things, but with enough love and enough emotional currency in the relationship's emotional bank account or uh, memory bank, relationships can withstand almost anything. One last thing. One bad incident can remove the impact of dozens of happy memories. Let me say that again. One bad incident can remove the impact of dozens of happily memories. So you don't want to have too many of those types of incidents happening in your relationships. It's like putting $1 in but taking $200 out. Yeah, that's a deficit there. Your emotional bank account can only handle so many withdrawals. You're already in the negative, been in the negative for a while. If you say volatile, that's high-level strain. So um, you're going to have to learn, and I'm going to help you with that, uh, how to cut that out and how to ignore whether he goes there or not so that eventually you all have that shiny-eyed look with each other even if it takes another 10 years because he don't want to cooperate and don't trust you. As long as you don't stop, doesn't matter. Because you'll start now be in charge of the relationship emotionally. I think you are anyhow. That's why he acts like he acts, <laughs> quite frankly. So if you flipped it, that would be a whole other um, story. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. You said something that I'm aware of, something else that's in hiding. Um, 
the willingness, like you're saying about choosing the, you know, your strongest emotions, loving, understanding, generous, compassion. I, I can choose those. But I notice that I'm not willing to. There's, some, there's a conversation that I'm having that says, I don't want to manipulate that. I don't want to con him. I don't want to pretend. Like there is, there's something that I saw. I remember my mom and I remember my older sister. The way they can manipulate men to be a yes. And I, I remember, I said somewhere down the line, I would never, ever do that to my partner. My partner has to be 100% willing to be a yes. I will never manipulate. I won't use my female charms for him to be a yes. And somewhere down the lines, I, I said that. And so I'm looking at, I'm listening to what you're saying. And yeah, I can choose the emotions that I, I like, okay, I know not how not to react to what he's saying right now. For me to re for my for me not to show up ugly. I can control this outburst. I can walk away and I can come back very nicely, loving, understanding, but I can always be pretending. And yep. and for me to have a breakthrough in that area that is not manipulation, that I'm not conning him, that's where I would have a for me to see it differently. Great. Um, I think you're about to see it differently. Ready? Yeah. So um, that's a natural gift that women have. Y'all are all born with that ability. To manipulate men. Mm-hmm. You can say manipulate men or you can say to get them to do what you want them to do. Influence. Persuasion, influence. If you've got his best interest at heart and you've got the relationship's best interest at heart, then now what? Oh, if my if my interest for him is like good, then it's influence. But if it's something bad for him, I consider that manipulation. Yeah. Hmm. If it's in his best interest, is if it's in the relationship's best interest, then you're using it as a very well practiced, very well skilled um, enrollment conversation. It's persuasion. Men don't necessarily have that, other than the players, because players learn how to do that for watching women. No, even even we got to get it from y'all because we don't have it eventually. You know, most players, most guys that run around and chase women all the time and they're successful at them, you know how come they got them? Because they started watching women because they got their feelings hurt. They got crushed by some woman and said, oh, no, never again. And so they started watching women, and then they started doing what women were doing to guys, and then that's how they got successful. Okay. So... Other than those guys, and even those guys, you could do it to them <laughs> if you're good enough and they love you. But see, yeah. you, you, you got to understand the dynamic. See, he already wants to give you everything he's got, you know, and he wants to feel like his purpose in life is being fulfilled, which is to be successful. 
And so if you're getting him to do what you want him to do, and then you're happy about it, and he's happy that he did it, and you're happy that he did it the way he did it, and it all works out, everybody's happy. You got what you want, he got what he wants, everybody's happy. But you're taking away his opportunity to win by not charming him into doing stuff you want him to do. Because when he does what you want him to do, guess what? He did what you want him to do. Aren't you going to be happy with that? Yeah. What I've been wanting, I've been wanting to feel happy that he did it all on his own without me manipulating him. But see, if he don't know what you want or how to give it to you the way you want it, how is he supposed to know? When I tell him. Okay. But yeah. suppose he doesn't. Suppose he doesn't agree with it because yeah. he sees a different way of doing it. That could possibly be something. Yeah, so then you want to find out how come he thinks you can do it a different way. And have conversations and get into his head instead of being mad at him for not being in yours. Yeah. Make sense? Uh, no, not really. Like there's something there like um, I miss the, the, the connection. I I understand the impact. Um, like for me to give up and for me to take action in getting into his head as as to why he continues to do certain things. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. So let me help you with this. So, you're sitting at a table, and he's on one side of the table and you're on the other, right? Yeah. And you want him to do something um, behind you. And he's looking at you, and he's looking behind you. And you're looking at him, and you're looking behind him, but you're not looking behind you. But he sees something behind you you can't see because you, you remember what was there the last time you looked behind you. But he's looking behind you, and he sees something there that don't work. That and doesn't just, work? That doesn't work or, you know, is getting in the oh. way or something. Okay. See, right, you're, not, you're not respecting his vision for how things are for him. Remember, before we got started, I sent you this document, the 10 types of vision? Yes. If he's a guy that's a return on investment kind of guy, he's always looking at the ROI, and he's also looking at project management, like how to get from here to the end of the game. But you're somebody who's looking at connections, and you're somebody that's looking at, you know, the details. You're going to get mad at him for not seeing the details rather than respecting the fact that he's looking at the return on investment. Got it. And you're both, okay. and you're both, and you're both right. Mm-hmm. He just has a different way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah, and you're not respecting him, which is pissing him off. Yes, I see that now. Thank you. I got that. It's the same difference as the the cup exercise and acts the power. Yes, that cup exercise. Yeah. There's no there's no handle on it. What are you talking about handle? You don't feel a handle. <laughs> That's what you keep saying to him. Boy, there's no handle. <laughs> you know, or, now that you worse. say that, I'm, yeah. I'm the, like, okay, there's a different. I've been doing something, 
So I have them, there's the mug on the table, and I'm telling him, honey, look, there's a handle on this mug. And he's like, I can't see it, I can't see it. And what I hear is that he's not willing to look. And, the, yeah. and, for me, and for me to, based on what you're saying, is that he has a different way of viewing things, like the return on investment. Yes. Where, that I can't see that at that moment. He has a right. different view of the whole thing and respecting that, that he has a view different than mine. Yes. I just saw a video yesterday on Facebook. I thought it was hilarious. It was... Oh. Over, it was over dramatic, but hilarious. So these women was walking around um, with with uh, balls between their legs, two balls, about the same size of a man's <laughs> testicles, for a day. <laughs> exactly. They did exercise, and they're like, "How am I supposed to do this without the stuff all squeezing up and bunging?" They're like, "I I, I got to keep moving it around." They're at the beach; it's bouncing off of them. It was hilarious. It was like, you know what? I can understand why guys touch their stuff all the time now. I would be moving this shit all the damn time. <laughs> it was hilarious. It was, it was crazy. It was a little overdramatic because the balls was way down by, by their thighs as opposed to, like, where it would be for us. But yeah, we got we to gotta, we gotta be adjusting those mofos because otherwise, <laughs> like, you know, they're kind of sensitive. You know, I, I, I don't know if they're more sensitive than a woman's breast. But they're sensitive oh as hell, and we ain't got much room to mess with it. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. It's too funny. It's, it's like those trucks. It's like those trucks. Have you ever seen those big pickup trucks with two testicles uh, underneath the, the bed of the truck? No. Have you? Oh, my God. Tony, you got to see them. Some guys, they put like, um, like two, soccer, two soccer, I would say two baseball balls, and they put them in a, um, a panning house. You know, oh. a, a skin color pantyhose, yeah. and they make a knot and they tie them underneath, like underneath a license plate. <laughs> and and so I, I park behind this truck and I see something moving, so I put it in reverse to look, and I go, "Are yes. you serious?" I was so <laughs> laughing because it was some big, massive black pickup truck. Mm. And I, I thought of a bull, you know, I thought of a bull. And um, But, yeah, I've seen a few trucks around with those testicles hanging in the back. Oh, my God. I wouldn't <laughs> buy one of those, but I could see yeah, that's, that's got to be hilarious. So the point I'm trying to make is you're not him, he's not you. You want to respect that you're not him, he's not you. He can't see what you see because he's not you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't see what he sees because you're not him. Yeah. You know, so how do you make that happen? Right? How do you make that happen? The first thing is I need to have patience and not interrupting. And in yep. um, uh, maybe being curious and asking him, like, what does he want? What does he see? Well, part of it is that your need for safety and security is dominating the space. Because yeah. if, you don't go, if you don't go the way you think, you're going to start feeling unsafe and insecure. You don't trust them enough because you don't understand them enough, and it ain't going the way you think it's supposed to go. So now 
you go bananas. You start overthinking. You start like, if you don't see what I'm seeing, you can't see the problem that I'm seeing. Guys don't even look for problems, by the way. Guys just do what they do. Okay. Guys, just, guys we don't think about problems. You know what we think about? Solutions. We're not worried about the problem because we know we can handle the solution. Okay. So we so we don't worry. So if you if you're mad at us or worried about us because we're not worried, then you don't understand us, and all you're going to do is drive yourself and us crazy. Okay. Because we're not worried. So why are you going to make us worried? It's like we don't have permission to not be upset. If you're upset, we got to feel like you feel. Wow, that makes such a huge difference. Because I see the problem and I start to worry like I'm gonna find a solution before it becomes a problem. Yes. And he's not even there. And I'm like, why aren't you taking action on this? Because <laughs> he knows how to handle a problem nine times out of ten. He's a guy. Yeah. While while y'all was walking around pushing baby carts and playing tea with your fantasy friend. He was playing baseball, basketball, video games, chasing this, climbing that. You know why? It's to be to be successful mm-hmm. at doing those things. Okay. Men have been been training to be successful from the first time they screamed <laughs> for somebody to help them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We want to know how to throw the ball right because we see our, our, our dad and our uncle throwing the ball right. We want to be able to eat because we see mom and dad eating right. We want to be able to do that too. I want to be able to put my y'all. What what y'all doing? I want to do that. I could I could do that. I'm gonna do that one day. Like that's what they're thinking. That's what guys are thinking. Yeah. If you think about your son, right? Oh, my goodness. They've come up with a few ideas. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, like, oh, my goodness, they're, they're entrepreneurs. They want to make money. Mm-hmm. And now I can see the, um, like, their strategy. Like, okay. Um, yeah, one of my sons drew 10 pictures. And those 10 pictures, one is a big stack of, of $100 bills. Mm. The other one is a rocket. Another mm. one is a it's a machine gun. Mm. Another one is a, a military tank. Um, mm. A big mansion, a humongous mansion, and then another little, like a cottage house. All mm. of this stuff. And I, I said, "Honey, why are you drawing these things?" She says, "These are things I want." <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he's looking to the solution to solving a problem called making those things happen. Yeah. He's not looking for somebody to be in a relationship with so he can be happy and they can save him. He's not even thinking relationships. Y'all have a 10 to 15 year head start on them, guys. Got it. Rob don't know relationships. He knows how to solve problems, and you won't let him. 
here. Anyhow, what do you get out of this conversation? Um, I've always uh, been the kind of person that goes on intuition, instincts. I'm very analytical. I analyze, strategize. And um, Rob has been asking me, if we have a situation and I've been saying no, 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 no. And um, and I'm I'm gonna tell him yes. Excellent. Uh, I, sure, uh, yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I what's been running the show is the safety. Yes. It, it's a safety. Um, so. So yeah. He may actually want to know how you came up with that. When you come to that conclusion, you might want to share it with him, so he doesn't yeah. think you're bullshitting. You know what I mean? Like this is just a one-time thing. Uh, so. You know what? That happened the last time. <laughs> I came mm. to him and I, I did some of our things that you and I did, and mm. he didn't believe me. He's like, "You're bullshitting me," and I was, yeah. I was so upset. But I remember, um, I said, "No, this, this is what my my coaching went, and this is what I came, my conclusion." What I came, what I got out of it, mm-hmm. and um, and I realized it was um, it's 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 just a way for him to react. It's just a way. Mm-hmm. All right, so, yeah, and the and the other thing is that I actually yesterday we were talking about recurring dialogue. Um, yes. I I went to Lisa and I asked uh, Lisa. I said uh, I don't remember much of my power to create course. Um, but I remember the recurring dialogues. I said, how do I um, distinguish them? Or how do I get around that? <clears throat> and okay. uh, I, I, you know what? You're so right. We, I, I, from from when there is, whenever there's an outburst, we all yeah. we only remember. We don't remember what was said. We only remember how they made us feel at that moment. Yep. You've been having the same argument for however many years you've been having the same argument. It looked different, yeah. but it's the same thing. It goes the same way. <clears throat> yeah, so matter when fact, I asked... Uh-huh. Matter of fact, y'all probably don't even have like that many happy moments. You probably just have ceasefires where you're just not shooting at each other. Yeah. Anyhow, you was going to say? Yeah, so I was very surprised that um, my recurring dialogue is, I'm not going to get my answers. So, um, like, um, like she, I, I, the emotion, I don't even remember what she said, to tell the truth. All I remember feeling is that she thinks I should know all this stuff, and I don't. Mm. And, uh. and that's, that was... Um, because even when I've said before, oh, I want to retake the power to create, and she says, oh, no, you don't have to. You know, you already know that. You already know everything. I'm like, okay. So when I asked her about the recurring dialogue, she says, all there is, it, it, there's, a, there's a thought that shows up, um, and it leaves you with a loss of 
power, freedom, and self-expression. And, and you know, huh, you've been there before, and you take a new action. Okay. I'm going to interrupt you. Two things. Okay. One, she's, she's doing to you what you do to Rob. That's the first thing. How does that feel? I went to ask her for a question, and she says, I should know. Yeah. It does not yeah. feel good. Yeah. you. She did to you what you do to Rob, right? Like he should know better. Yes. The second thing is just do it in New York or New Jersey instead of Pennsylvania. Powder Creek. If she's gonna give you okay. a hard time. Do it in Pennsylvania. Do it in Philly. Then do it in New York or New Jersey. I I want to go to New York. I love New York. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well then just do it in New York. What the heck, right? Yeah. If you're gonna do it, go ahead and do it. They do it in every two months anyhow. There, so it ain't like you know. Yeah, I loved it. Mm. Okay, so then go over there. Okay. Because Thanks. because I'm going to tell you, if I was a program manager, I'd have walked you right through it right then and there. Because I'm like, I need you to be powerful so that we could have this program be powerful, and then you go out in the world to be powerful. So I would they say, oh, you didn't get that? Because I know anytime you do a program, I mean, listen, okay, I know this is on recording, but you know, I'll just say it anyhow. <clears throat> As a program manager, classroom leader, course leader. You talk to somebody who did not get the program, it's your responsibility as the coach, trainer, leader, manager, whatever, to make sure that they get everything they need so they can walk out with the distinctions and the capacities that they have. So if you told me, I didn't get this, I'm going to stay with you until you got it, and then the story, there's nothing else to talk about. So for me, for her to say that was, was wrong. That's just my opinion. It's unproductive. Um, like, that – in a in a way, that was an emotional outburst. Yeah, it just wasn't. It just wasn't an ugly one, particularly. It wasn't that ugly. Right. Yeah. Well, you was left with it feeling like an emotional outburst to some degree, right? Yeah, because that I, yeah, it took it took me a while to really remember what she had said. All I remember how I was left. I was not left empowered at all. Yeah, and so that's how you leave, Rob. So whenever you go yeah. there. Remember that. Say, okay, I can't do that. Now, so now, let me tell you something else that you don't know. Um, in the relationships that last the longest, where they're happy for 20 or 30 years, the woman's in charge of the relationship, but the guy thinks he is. Yeah, you see, that's where I have an issue with. I just, I don't know, it's, I'm making it mean. This is how it occurs to me because I I know that's very powerful. If if the man can take that on, like he's the head, or he believes he's the head, and yes. the woman can be the neck, she has to look whichever way. Yes. But that's why you have the gift of being able to manipulate a guy because you get him to do what you want him to do, but you leave him thinking that he did it, and you're both happy. You know what? Choosing to be happy versus choosing to be right. There you go. Boom. And as a matter of fact, the next conversation in this uh, program here is about happiness. <laughs> okay. We're on track. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah you can be right or you can be happy, but you can't be both. Not in this situation. 
So yeah. So what are you getting out of this for? Going to the happiness thing here. The, uh, for me to be in the space of willing, of mm. letting it go, having it go my way. Yes. And by the way, I want you to know something. You, you don't really get this. Guys love to be charmed by women. Are you kidding me? We love it if you sweet talk us. You know why? Guess what? I know why, but why? I feel like I'm selling out. Go ahead. Why? Why do you think we love it? To be admired that way? To to feel that someone thinks we're the best? It's 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 like a like a drug. You want more of it. It's more than that. Hmm. That's part of it. That's usually part of it. But we know that if you didn't like us, you wouldn't be able to do it. You can't do nothing you don't feel like doing. You're proving it in this conversation. And we know that instinctively, even if we don't know that verbally or intellectually. So by me not saying that, by me not charming him, he thinks I don't believe it. Right. Y'all don't do nothing with us that you don't feel like doing. You can't. So if y'all be looking at us with shiny eyes and be, oh, honey, you're so amazing, and you really, really mean it, as far as we're concerned, that's the, that's the greatest success we could ever experience. When we're laying on a deathbed, we're going to be thinking about the things that we wanted to accomplish and whether we did it or not and how much we loved and was loved. That's it at the end. Okay, so I, I gotta I gotta look at what is really stopping me from being charming with my words and my actions. Um, like there's there's a way that I, my like my uh, my strong suit of looking strong is not yes. allowing. Me, I have made it mean that being very charmful, uh, charming with your words, is like being a snake. That's only because there are women who are snakes who use charm. Yeah. And because I haven't been, but, I haven't been wanting to be categorized that way. Yeah. But that's because their intentions are not pure. They're not doing it for anybody but for themselves. You're doing it for the yeah. family. You're doing it for the love of your life. You have honorable intentions of making a relationship work. You just ain't using the skills that you have or, or and there's probably some more skills you can use, you need to have, but you're resisting your greatest gift. Yeah. The, great, the greatest gift that a woman has for a man is to listen to greatness out of him. <laughs> That's your greatest gift you have for us. Greatest gift. You got nothing better. And you're resisting it because you think charm is something corny or something. Um, um, dishonest. Fine. Yeah. All right. But you know what? I'm going to um, take that on. 
uh, and not make it necessarily that that's what is going. Just be present that I don't have bad intentions. My intentions are good. Yeah, your intentions has has everybody's interest at heart, and you love him dearly. You wouldn't be on this call if you didn't. You wouldn't yeah. be talking to me if you didn't love him quite completely. You just pissed off that it ain't going the way you wanted to go, and now y'all in the habit of it. Y'all been acting this way for more than ten years together. Yeah. Yeah, y'all probably like, uh, y'all probably negative like two billion dollars in an emotional bank account. That's all right. We're gonna work it out. Yeah. Yeah, I like what you said. Um, the greatest gift a, a woman has for a man is the uh, ability to listen. What is it? Um, the greatness listen, out of them. Exactly. That's the. You got nothing better. If God got something better for us from y'all than that, he's keeping it to himself because there ain't nothing better. You, you just got nothing better. And I've been looking. I've been praying. I've been meditating. Just find out. No, that's the greatest gift you have for us. See, a man's need to be successful is exactly as powerful, as present, as ever aware as your need to be safe and secure. It's the same thing. He's the glove. You're the hand. He can't make you feel safe and secure if he's not successful. Y'all can't be identical. You're partners. So he's the glove and I'm the hand. Yes. I like that one better. In the head. Okay. This one gives me access to giving it up. Okay, good. Yeah. He's supposed to protect you. Make sure everything is working. He's at your he's at your disposal. He's at your command as long as you're not commanding him. Yeah. His relationship to his love and relationship his relationship to love for you at its core, underneath all the bullshit, he wants to take care of you the way you want to take care of the kids. That's his duty, that's his honor. It's this big. A man retires from the military after 25 years of service. He's gotten a purple heart because he lost a limb or something. And he's standing there crying because he's so proud of how he took care of his people. Fuck the yeah. limb. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get that feeling. Yeah, remember, remember. Um, um, uh, did you ever see Saving Private Ryan? Yes. Yes, I'm a movie junkie. Yeah, at the end of the movie, Private Ryan goes to the cemetery. Yeah. And he's like, I can't believe these guys took care of me because all his brothers got killed. And he's like, no, we can't kill the family. We got to keep the family alive, the family name. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. those guys did what they did for him, and they were proud to do that for him, even though he was an asshole. <laughs> yeah. That's men. That's your husband. And, wow. you're, pri- and you're Private Ryan. Like, literally, really. <laughs> yeah. I Private get Ryan. That. Yeah, Private Ryan was a dick for a while, right? Oh, my God. Did you see that part where um, the guy was getting stabbed right into the chest and he wouldn't move? 
in, in the in Ryan Private, one of the soldiers was getting the enemy. I don't know what was it, German or mm. Russian? Mm. Yes. They were, they were fighting, and one of them was grabbing the the, the knife, and um, and was winning the fight. And he was the the enemy was on top of the other guy, and was about to stab him. Very slowly, pushed the dagger into mm. the the guy's chest. Yeah. In Private Ryan, he was just watching. He couldn't move. So yeah. That's, oh, that's yes. A, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, yeah. He was a jerk and a punk to some degree. Yeah. But you're kind of like Private Ryan to your husband. Yeah, because all he wants to do is take care of me, protect me, make sure I'm safe, and I'm making it so hard for him. Yes. You have no idea what it's like being him, and you're mad at him because he has no idea what it's like being you. Yeah. So for me to choose that, <clears throat> I'm the strongest one. I'm well, the strongest got, one with the emotions. Yeah, you have the, you you can have you should have the strongest emotions because right now he needs you to be because he don't know how to he don't know he feels like he's permanently failed with you. He's quit. He's permanently failed with you. He loves you, but he's permanently failed. Like, ain't never gonna happen. Permanent. Yeah. Make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You should listen to this recording a few times. Yeah. Because there's so much much gold in here that ain't a part of the program. Like, Like, I communicated the program, but then I had to go all the way in in so many different directions so you can get the overall value of the things I've said so far, and I got more to talk about. Okay. But I, but I can't let you like I can't let you like move on if you didn't get it. Because if you didn't get it then that's the whole point of being here. Fortunately I don't have anything else to do after this, so you're lucky, you know, but uh <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, now we're gonna talk about happiness. It's a very, very, very short conversation. You ready? Oh, okay. Yeah. You're responsible for your own happiness and self esteem. No one can do this for you. If you put this on your partner, you're overburdening them, giving your power away and sabotaging the relationship. That's not his job. It's your job. Okay. Let me say that again. You're responsible for your own happiness and self-esteem. No one can do this for you. It's like expecting him to drink for you. He drinking water. You expect it, why ain't he hitting my system? <laughs> That's happiness. If you put this on your partner, you will overburden them. You're giving your power away and you're sabotaging the relationship. That's happiness. That's all you need to know right now. You got to bring okay. happiness. You got to bring happiness. You can't expect him to make you happy because he can't. He can offer you his happiness to share with him, that's the best he can do, and it's the best you can do. But, like, you're going to be, you need to be sharing your happiness with him, offering him happiness, not making him happy. And how you do that is by, how you do that is by watching him see what makes him happy and then offering him things that's similar to that so he's, he starts to become naturally enrolled in Things that he's happy about. That makes things that he feels happy about. You want to look at what makes him happy, what doesn't make him happy, 
do more of the things that make them happy and less of the things that don't. Okay. I like, you know what, that's good. What what are the things that makes Ralph happy? Okay. Yeah, you should write a list of like, I don't know, 50 things. Because that way you can keep doing it. it is, it'll look like a variety of things. it look like you're just making them happy. Even though you're just giving them stuff that he's already decided makes him happy. You ain't doing it. You just... How do I say? You're like uh, you're like putting uh, um, a uh, bait on on a hook, <laughs> and yeah. then he comes then he comes biting it, and you reel him in. But he still got he still got to take the bait. There's a term you got to bait this hook to suit the fish. Fish don't like peanut butter; they like worms. <laughs> yeah. So. You got to find his version of worms for that fish called happiness. Got it. Now, the reason why this happiness conversation is like two sentences long is because um, it's just a setup for the next thing. You ready? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be this is going to be huge. The reason why you need to be responsible for your own happiness is because if you're not, then you're going to not notice what triggers you. And you have to recognize what triggers you in order for you to be responsible for making sure that you have the strongest emotions and it's the most loving, compassionate, generous, happy, sexy, whatever emotion you have. You want to have the most empowering emotions, but you got to, in order for you to do that, you need to see what triggers you. You need to recognize your triggers. Oh, my goodness. That would be awesome. Yes, I've got a list of triggers you're going to get to on what you email, what your uh, recap. <laughs> okay. So, so recognizing what triggers you is essential to managing the emotional environment of the relationship you're involved in. Having said that, it would be wise to recognize what has you become unglued in the midst of dealing with people. Some of us get triggered by unfairness. Some of us by being accused or abandoned. Some of us hate to not be acknowledged, and some of us will fight for their freedom, even if their freedom is not at stake. Some of us are paranoid. Some of us are critical or critical of others who are critical. (laughs) Whatever triggers you is an obstacle to being someone who can manage the emotional environment of relationships. Let me say that again. Whatever triggers you is an obstacle to being someone who can manage the emotional environment of relationships. That's because emotions do not manage themselves, but they can manage you. That's because feelings are terrific servants, but terrible masters. When you get triggered, that means your feelings, your emotions are mastering you. They're telling you what to do. You have to cooperate with that. Okay. Not the other way around. So, you got to recognize what triggers you. And so, I have a list of the top negative reactions of human beings. Okay. I'm going to read them. I'm going to read them out to you, and then I'm going to send them to you. Okay. And then... um. Okay, here they are. So I have them, I have them in alphabetical order because I don't know what, other, what kind of order I put them in. <laughs> okay. So 
Um, I'll just read them to you, and uh, I have a definition to each one of them. You know, I might, I don't know how much, that's going to deliver it, right? So, um, aggression, being aggressive. This is uh, overt or suppressed hostility. Um, being aggressive. Uh, anger is an expression of, of aggression. Like, anger is, I'm aggressive, I'm feeling aggressive, and I'm going to express my aggression with anger. Um, apathy. Uh, like dead inside. Arguing. Oh, yeah, you do that. Uh, bullying. I bet you both bully each other, right? Uh, I'll say Rob is an expert in bullying. Excuse me? I would say Rob is an expert at being a bully. Yeah, okay. All right. Because he's used to being a boss, and he's like, how come you want to meet a boss anymore? What the hell? Criticism. <laughs> <laughs> Right? He's used to being a boss all his life. Now all of a sudden he's come home and shit, his worst home and then where they work. What the hell? <laughs> right? Criticism is the next one. Being critical. Uh dismay, which both of y'all are good at. Dismay meaning to be disheartened. Hmm. To be to be you know, it's kind of a it's an emotional reaction. Um doesn't necessarily have any expression to it. But um uh, it's like the emotional version of um, resignation. It's like heartbreak, actually. This may is heartbreak. Um, distancing, you know, putting a wall between you. Fear. People get triggered by fear. You ever notice that people never walk around saying, hmm, out of all of the emotions I could possibly feel, all the states of mind I could possibly have, I'm going to choose fear. You ever heard anybody ever say that? No. Right. That's because fear takes them over. Fear is running the show because nobody wants to feel fear any damn how. <laughs> but all of this stuff, people don't say, hmm, let me see. Out of all the things I'm going to do, I think being angry is going to be the best emotion for me right now. <laughs> people don't say that. You know? Yeah. No. I did once um, um, because of Donna Ella. Um. Donna Ella wanted me when I was a, when I was around the courses. She wanted me. Did I tell you she was my SDLP leader back in the day? I know. Uh, yeah. Donna, are you talking about Della, um, Donna from Los Angeles? Yes, the the, the communication course leader, the uh, weekend leader. Yes, Donna. Oh my goodness, I didn't know that. Yeah, she was my SDLP leader in 1999. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we we were friends. She knew about you know she, she was still around there when I was. I think I was in her second SDLP. I think I was the second one. Um, we loved each other from the beginning. She loved me from the beginning. Anyhow, um, uh, she saw when I was T one leader how hard T one Team New York was back then. Oh my God! Um, so uh, when I was on Team Two, uh, she would do the Action of the Power, and they would do the uh, um, Yak of the Yak song. <laughs> right? Yeah, she would she would she would have me come up on stage and, and, and you know, do a you know, uh uh be her partner in doing the yakety yak so that you'd like be un untriggerable. Yeah. So I was the angry guy. So I had to actually generate being angry. That's I had to actually consciously generate being angry. And anytime I did that, um I was unforgettable to everybody in the course from now on. <laughs> because Here's this nice guy, and all of a sudden, she says, "Okay, now you know you know what you got to do, right, Tom?" She says, "Yeah." So, 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 um, 
So I would say, take out the papers in the trash. <laughs> Angry, get nose to nose to her, scare the crap out of everybody in the room, and she say, yaggity yak. Oh, you're going to spin it, gosh. Oh, man, it was, just, it was like. <laughs> oh, wow. So I was consciously choosing to be angry, but it was still hard because I loved her. So I couldn't get past a certain angle, but it scared everybody in the room. Like, I did not know this guy could just be this damn angry. <laughs> so I because that's, that's, that's one of the rare times when that would be a conscious decision. Like, you're an actor or something, you take that act, that thing on, right? But normally. Yeah. It takes us. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. That's if a you very feel, good way of putting it. Yeah. 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 If you're feeling frustration, which is the next one after fear, you didn't choose frustration. Frustration chose you, and you surrendered to it. Yes. That's my mine, um, the frustration, being yes. overwhelmed. It, that role took over. Okay. Yeah. Impatience took over, too. That's the next one. <laughs> you with impatience frustration impatience those are two of yours but you know what triggers are what people do right like pointing fingers if, if Rob points a finger I get triggered yes so so if Rob is frustrated mm. I don't it's not a trigger for me at all okay okay so I'm, I'm writing well, down you, the ones that uh, I get triggered good because that's your assignment <laughs> Okay. <laughs> to recognize that, so it's excellent. Doing it on on the call, good. Next is uh, indignation. Like, how dare you? I'm insulted. Yep. Indignation. Uh, next is being outsmarted. There are not that many people that hate somebody outsmarting them, but the ones who do really hate it when they commit murder. <laughs> how dare you? Let me get your ass back. It's like. Uh, uh, Magneto and, uh, and and Professor X. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> right, because they're trying to outsmart each other, you know? Hmm. Anyhow, pessimism is another one. That's a normal reaction. I know that y'all got some pessimism in that relation. Probably Rob, mostly. Okay. Stubbornness, that's the last one. Oh, my goodness. That's <laughs> the one that kills me. Mm-hmm. Are mm-hmm. arguing, resisting, and stubbornness. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. So you want to recognize your triggers so that you're in charge of your emotions, not your emotions. That you're in charge of you, not your emotions. You're really going to want to listen to this one quite a few times between now and then. Forever. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now, uh, that's all about the problem. Now, let me give you the solution to this. I mean, I gave you some of it. And um, let me give you something else. So part two is, starts with a question. What do you think is going to take for you to be happy with Rob no matter what? To maintain your happiness, no matter what, what do you think it's going to take? Oh, my goodness. What is it going to take? Mm-hmm. For me, for all of us in the house to be happy here, um, is 
for me not to really validate a lot of what he said, nod, and um, that he's great, treat him like he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and any any of the things that um, he triggered, that he does that trigger me for me to recognize it and give it mm-hmm. up at that moment. Mm-hmm. Give up and continue and, and choose my, my um, the other strong emotions of being loving, compassionate, and continue yeah. to bring happiness. Great. Okay, great. So you actually gave me something that I never thought of before. Um, but I'm going to share with you in a minute. Um, so something came. I don't exactly know what you said that triggered this thought, but I'm going to tell you what it is in a minute. So, so um, I'm going to tell you that it takes three things to be happy with Rob or in a relationship no matter what. So first off, you need to love him 100% just because with no expectation or need for anything in return. Unconditional tangibly unconditional, which you do, you just don't remember it. Okay. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, you love him, like, even if y'all fought for the rest of your, for another 25 years, you still ain't going to win. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. And he ain't either, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. So y'all love each other 100% just because... With, but you do have an expectation of need for something, but you also have the capacity to have no need for return, like complete, complete unconditional. And now it's conditional because you got such a negative emotional uh, environment. And you're so caught up in your automatic recurring dialogues and triggers. Matter of fact, yeah. I, think one of those, I think one or more of those triggers is what triggers your automatic recurring dialogue, quite frankly. You might want to start yeah. there. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Matter of fact, the next two or three arguments you have, look and see how they got started. So you can start breaking it down. Oh, last uh, yesterday, we just had a huge argument, and I was able to see that I, I, I asked a simple question. Yes. And um, his something got triggered by you know to him, and he gave me an answer like, "I'm not going to feed them." Mm-hmm. And right away, I knew I was talking to his point of view. He's resisting, mm-hmm. and I let that one go. I said, okay, there we go. And the next question I asked, mm-hmm. he gave me something, another answer that was resisting. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. Why don't you do it? Mm-hmm. Okay, two in a row. And that's when I lost. I said, okay, this is not going to work. I'm not going to be in your team. I'm not going to play with you if you keep persisting. This is mm. such a waste of time. Mm. And and when I say that out loud, as an outsource to him, he feels attacked. Mm. Yeah. And I said, I'm done. I'm leaving. So I walk out of the house because mm. I don't want to argue. Mm. Got it. So my second wife, um, we um, we married for a year and a half. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing that you're saying my second wife. Yes. <laughs> like my third or fourth or fifth wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And only two, only two, only two. <laughs> Thank God. It, it will be a third. I'm looking for the third. But the third one's going to be like, she ain't going nowhere. It's going to be me and her until somebody pass away. She better be living a long time because I'm going to be around a long time. Anyhow, uh, my second wife, yeah, we're friends now. As a matter of fact, I'm doing happily ever after with her. It's amazing. 
when you got people that you was in a relationship with and they're asking you to coach them around relationships, that's freaking amazing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I got two exes that I'm coaching right now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and oh, the, scary, the, scary, the scary part is they know each other, too. Oh, my God. First time that they were both around Landmark. First time I saw them standing together, I was assisting around a <laughs> around a around a, um, a seminar. I was a, I was a recorder for a seminar, and um, yeah, the, the one I was dating currently at that time, she was on staff, and then my ex, she was assisting somewhere else, and they came and both was talking to me, and I'm like, this is one of the most uncomfortable conversations I've ever been in, right? <laughs> and they know they know each other. The one I was dating, do um, I was married? Uh, one I was married, do I was dating her? And they talking like it's no big deal. I was like, oh, I survived that one. Oh my god. <laughs> that's great. Oh yeah, that's something to achieve that. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because those are the two that I'm coaching right now. It's amazing, you know. It's hilarious because they're asking me for advice because they know I know stuff, you know. Anyhow, uh, and, and they're loving it, right? So anyhow, it's just, it's just, it's just hilarious, man. Like I can't believe I'm doing it. Yeah. So anyhow, um. Um, my second wife, one of the reasons why, um, the reason why I broke up with her um, was because, and she knows it. I mean, I can say this and it'd be fine, you know, because uh, it's true and we talked about it so much. We're friends now. We're really big friends, you know. Um, anyhow, um, the reason is because uh, we was having a conversation about 18 months into the marriage. And then she said, yeah, well, I'm still trying to decide if I want to be married or not. I was like, what? Are you crazy? If I had a gun, I'd have pointed at that. I was so pissed off. Like, oh, like, you better figure it out. You got tw- you got 24 hours of, to decide, make a decision or else I'm going to decide for you. And it did, I, a few months later, I didn't end up deciding and left. But um, one of the reasons why it was so hard to be with her is because she was triggered. And she didn't know how triggered she was. I remember when I did the communication about power to create, the first time I did it, we were married. And uh, I came home. And, um, and I said, Wow, I just learned about this thing called automatic recurring dialogue. You know what that tells me? We never had an argument. We haven't had a, a real conversation yet. Because all we've been doing is arguing. And she was like, what are you talking about? About 40 minutes later, we was arguing again. I was like, damn. Because yeah. I was trying to let her know, you know, and then she just got triggered. and went, ah. So um, after that, I realized that she had a particular way of going about life in general. And so... uh when we had arguments, it was a four-hour argument. It took four to four and a half hours, generally speaking. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was listening to her so well that, you know, after we broke up, I was able to tell her. I used to tell her, but then I would tell her afterwards, and she actually started getting it after we broke up. Couldn't hear it while we were together. So the first hour, she would say something. I'd be like, ah, <laughs> no, we ain't going there, right? So she would um, – uh, I would, you know, go in on whatever she said so we wouldn't have this argument anymore. That's the reason why I stayed in because I'm like, we are never having this freaking argument ever again. Sorry, not having it, right? So she would say something, and then she would um, deny or d- deny responsibility or, or deny actual statement that she said. She would deny, 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 deny for about an hour. My, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my then, goodness, Yeah. And then the second stage. Oh, I usually said something that triggers me when people deny responsibility. Oh, my goodness, I get so angry. Okay, that's another trigger. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Continue. Got it, got it. The second stage, she would try to um, discredit whatever I'm saying. So she would nitpick what I was saying, like she was a right-wing 
Republican advocate. <laughs> she would just pick apart, try to pick apart what I was saying. Uh-huh. Nope, we're not doing that for about an hour. And then if I stayed in that conversation long enough, then the third thing she would do is she would say, okay, I'm too tired, I'm sleepy, I got to go to sleep. And she would try to pull out the argument by that. Nope, you're not going to sleep, sorry. About an hour. You're trying to go to sleep for about an hour. Then the, then the fourth hour, yeah. she'd, be making me, she'd be making me wrong for keeping her awake. Yeah, that's not good. Right. And then, and then at some point, I would say something. She would say, oh, say that again. And then we could actually have a real conversation. And that conversation would be about 15 minutes and it would be done. <laughs> I had to go through four hours of her machinery in order to get to her. Oh, man. Yeah. And I didn't mind because I'm like, oh, no, 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 we're not having this argument again. Oh, no, because I know anytime I stop anywhere in that four-hour period, we'd have the same argument later in a week or something, a few days later. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm like, no, hell to the no. So when she really started asking me about that, it was um, we were had broke up about three years, and she was telling me the guy she was dating seemed like she's having the same hard time she had with me. So she started asking me, like, you know, can you tell me, you know, oh, what was going Oh, she saw the pattern. Right. Pattern. Yeah. And then she joined TMLP in 2009. Uh, no, she joined, joined in 2008. I started in 2009 because she didn't want to be on team when I was on team. And um, all right, fine. So I joined team while she was still on team. So she wasn't going to quit because I was there. So I tried to hide. She didn't want nobody to know who was married even. I wouldn't tell nobody. Only like three or four people on team knew it until she completed. Y'all was married? <laughs> yeah, I know it didn't look like it, right? So anyhow, um, yeah, uh, um, she um, reviewed the landmark forum while she was on team, while we were both on team. No, while she was on team before I came to team, and then she seven times in three weeks she called me to clean up with me. Like, wow, that was awesome. Oh, that was great. <laughs> that was so awesome. <laughs> Now, you know, and, and one of her gifts was that she got me involved in other programs. She's the reason I, I did the men's weekend. She's the reason why I was around that women's program, PAX programs. Um, she's the reason why I did other stuff like that. I did the Millionaire Mind Intensive with Peak Potentials. I, I, did, um, 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 uh, I did some Scientology work, you know, because she was around there. I'm like, if she says, I'll try it, fine, because she's not attached to any particular company's training. She's just a, She's just committed to being train and develop, you know? So uh, that's why I'm not a landmarshan, even though I know I got a lot of landmark stuff and I might use a lot of it here, but, but you know, as a form of um, having a, 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 a collective language, you know, common language. So, and, um, so yeah, but, yeah, that was, um, <laughs> you got to pay attention to, you know, what triggers you and then, like, have, like, just because no expectation, no need like that, right? So that's, that's the first thing. 100% unconditional love all the time, forever, for no reason whatsoever except because, just because. That's the first thing. Three things. Second thing, you got to understand him and people at the level of principle. So the principles people align themselves with tells you what dictates their character and allows you to recognize who they really are. So... Um, you know, you got the list in the beginning of the principles that um, 
that I gave you, right? A bunch of different words, you know, possibilities that Lamar would call them, but, you know, they're really principles, right? Remember that list, email? Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. So you should – this is the thing I never thought about before. I invite you to look at what principles, not only the principles that you live your life by, but the principles that Rob really lives his life by when he's not triggered. Oh, yes. And then honor those and only listen to him from those principles. Listen those principles out of him, because that's the greatness you'll be listening out of him. Yeah, that's where I, I, I wasn't too sure before how to listen to his greatness, because I'm not sure what his principles are, like what he lives by. For. Great. So, um, yeah, you want to listen for, identify at least five of the principles that you know he lives his life by, whether he knows it or not. And then just respond to him. You know how he's saying, Landmark, you know, don't listen to um, the person. Don't listen to the person as a person. Listen to them as the distinction. Right, listen to them yeah. as the distinction acts as the power accountable. Right, whatever. So listen yeah. to him as the listen to him as the distinction love or whatever the principles that you recognize about him. Okay. Yeah, and you should also listen to yourself as the principles you live your life by that way too. But especially him. Yeah, I think that's what would make a big difference. Me listening to him that way. Yeah, that's yeah. a great idea. Yeah, I never thought of it before. Now, so uh, you know, you go, sister. <laughs> All right, and then, and then the third thing, which you already know how to do this because y'all practice in, in team, is to choose to be happy no matter what, and choose to be happy no matter what prior to whatever you're doing or about to do. You wake up in the morning before your feet touch the ground. I think I'm gonna be happy today. Fine, I'm declaring happiness today. So you can use happiness as your quality control tool. Okay. Yeah, that could be like a measurable result. Yeah. Like, uh, like at the end of the night, was I happy? What didn't work and what did work? Look at what exactly. uh, actions. Okay. Yes. So that's what it's going to take for you to be happy with Rob no matter what for as long as you're all together. Those three things. Be happy, be loving him unconditionally. Listen to him from the uh, distinction principle and choose happiness before you do anything. You can choose other stuff too. So make sure you put happiness in it. Yeah. 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 I like that. Okay. okay, great. This is why I wanted to work with y'all for, 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 for the three or four months together. Because uh, I want y'all <laughs> to not only, I want y'all to not only get this, but also to get it so well that you can teach your kids. I'm still standing for that because parents, oh. parents don't know how to teach their kids this stuff because they know how to do it, but they don't have the language for it. Yeah, definitely. You heard me say it, but now you're starting to hear what, it really, 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 what I was seeing that you couldn't see before, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can definitely see this. Um, yeah. And it takes teamwork. It takes my husband and me, not just me. Yes. Yeah, I know. So it's important for you, but we still got three sessions after this, right? It's important for you to get him somehow enrolled in doing this yeah. program with me. 
you know, or at least even if I'm not doing this program with him, that I, you know, that I'm working with him because one of my skill sets, if you haven't noticed, is uh, my ability to to translate what men think and say to women and vice versa. Yeah, and Tony, I totally get that. Uh, what's been missing for me is the triggers. That's what's been missing for the last, well, forever. Mm. But when I took on um, team, yeah. um, it's what I haven't been practicing, the recurring dialogues and the triggers. Yes. Like the, the power to create, it, it's completely missing for me. And yeah. so not practicing that. And I noticed that when I went to New York and I saw um, how the moment one teammate was not being their possibility, boom, yeah. they would get pulled to the side. <clears throat> they yeah. were like, okay, we need to talk. And yeah. I was like, oh, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, and what I noticed is, is what's missing it for us is we don't have a – well, we have one person that has, like, three different hats. You know, the, the program manager, the classroom yeah. – um, Leader. A cl- the classroom leader, and then the train, uh, training development person. Yes. You know, so, you know, this one person has too many hats. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's what's not working for my team, so I haven't been able to really practice. But this program is self-generating because I can always go to anybody else and request right. it. Yeah. When I was a Team 2 leader, I had Carla L. Phil Smith, Donna Ella, and another oh. communication course leader who was not, who was no longer, she completed since then, Judy Maloney. They were my coaches when I was a Team 2 leader, including, you know, in addition to the program manager. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We fuck that. It was, this is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I had three communication oh. course leaders as my coach for crying out loud. Oh my god. Um, Tony, last night I, mm. I was in my training and development and Bobby and I mm. had gotten into a huge argument mm. and uh it made me late to my training development. Mm. So uh I told Lisa that I needed a few minutes to walk outside. Even though it was raining, I needed mm. to walk before <laughs> I went inside. But like, I didn't care about getting soaked. And um, so I'm walking in the rain, and I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed that I allowed myself to get re- reactive. I'm annoyed mm. like I should know better than to react to stupid comments that my husband makes. Mm. And um, so I was going to tell you about this. I lost the train of thought. Um, oh, uh, this woman. Um, so I... I I get in the elevator, you know, with my hair, my head clear, like mm-hmm. I'm going to create so many, you know, registrations and conversations, like very clear. And I'm in, the, I'm in the elevator and this woman gets in and I noticed like she, there was a presence about her that was like heavy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, hi, I said, are you on your way to a seminar? And she didn't answer me. And I waited a minute. And then mm. I said, are you all right? You don't seem okay. Mm. And she just looked at me and she rolled her eyes at me. And we're the only two in the elevator going into Landmark, right, inside the Landmark building. Yeah. And that has never happened to me. In four years that I've been doing Landmark, I mm. have never dealt with a person who was uh, resisting that way. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, 
in a in a tan, in a tantrum um, position. And um, so I said, okay, let me know if you want to talk. And that was it. You know, yep. I got off the elevator, and she got off the elevator. And um, so I went and I told a few people that there was this lady that looked like this, and it looked like there was for them to go look for her in the seminar. Um, so at the end of the night, I had a, I don't know why I wanted to reach out to this lady. And uh, at the end of my training, I, I went looking for her, and I ran into a friend who told me that Nancy Sloan was uh, the leader for the money seminar. Okay. And I recognize that name. I've never, I, I have like 20 seminars that I've taken, but I've never mm-hmm. had Nancy Sloan. Mm-hmm. And my husband took one with her, and he hated her. I have never seen my husband hate a woman more than he has ever hated this, this seminar leader. Oh, he hated her. Like He called her the, you know, a bitch, bitch on wheels. Uh, oh, my goodness, just everything. So mm. I wanted to see what she looked like. And the moment I go in, Alisa introduces me to her, and I recognize her. I remember when Ra- suddenly this memory, Tony, I was so embarrassed. I said, hi, I I wanted to meet you. Um, And I saw her, and and it brought me this memory. My husband had invited me to one of his sessions. Yes. And and I remember forcing him to have a conversation with her about it. And her response back then was, if he doesn't want to talk about it, we're not going to talk about it. Something like, your, it's your, like, like, look, you're making him do something he doesn't want to be part of. Right. And, um, and I was, ta- oh, Rob didn't want to create a possibility. And I was asking her, how can you be, how can you allow participants to be in this room that still are, are refusing to create possibilities? I remember that with her. But when I saw her, I was so embarrassed. I totally mm. denied it. She's like, I don't remember you. Was that the woman on the elevator? No, no. She oh, came okay. after. Okay. So, th- so this woman, Nancy Sloan, I'm looking at her, and I was hoping that she wouldn't recognize me, that she wouldn't know who I was. <laughs> and uh, she says, I remember you. You're married to Rob. How did <laughs> she remember this three years ago? <laughs> And Tony, I was so embarrassed, and I and uh, and right away Lisa starts uh, talking about um, that I'm about to complete teens, that mm. I only have like eight days left, mm. and um, and that was that. I said, okay, well, nice to meet you. <laughs> you know, nice seeing you again. <laughs> Bye. And I left the room, mm. but I was yeah, like uh, so on the way out the door, I see the lady. And I told Lisa, I said, Lisa, that's the woman who was not talking at all in the elevator. And um, she comes up to like four or five of us and she says, hi, did you guys say my name? I heard somebody calling my name. And I noticed right there and then like she didn't have all her senses together. Like there was something missing. She didn't have a what? I I would say like there was something missing like – like there was, she was not present. Oh. Like there was, 
like she could turn around and start talking to the wall. Mm. And I, I don't know what she was doing there. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so that, that's what ended up happening. That was my experience last night. Mm. And, um, but that was uh, the, the Nancy, uh, Nancy Sloan. I, um, I'm not interested in taking a seminar with her at all either. Mm. Um, Okay. So that's that. Got it. Um, tell Nancy that uh, she has my condolences. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, great. So uh, we're almost done. I only got one more thing to share. And okay. um, I'm going to give it to you as a context, not like it's the truth. Okay. okay. Ready? Ready? Okay. Yeah. The only reason to be in a relationship. Why do you think it's the only reason to be in a relationship is? What do you think is the only reason to be in a relationship? Let me ask that. Mm. Uh, I think the body needs to be related to somebody at a mm. deep level, a very deeply. Mm. Mm. Okay. Anything else? Well, there's many, many, many reasons. Like out of that comes love and laughter, touching, emotions. All that mm. gets generated from the need for us to be connected deeply with somebody else. Mm. Okay, got it. Well, let me give you this context. You ready? Yeah. The only reason to be the only reason to be in a relationship is to be happy with someone who's happy with you. Yeah. I told you know what I love. <laughs> I love it. That is so true. I want him to love me, admire me, you know, like to worship the ground I walk on, like that. Yep. I yep. know that. Well, yes, starts with you. But the only reason to be in a relationship is to be happy with someone who is happy with you. So let me explain that a little bit more. This is not like the truth. It's like a context and a goal to go for. Ready? The yeah. only person, the only person we can be happy with, no matter what, is the is a person who knows how to be happy, no matter what. The problem is, if you're not a person who knows how to be happy, no matter what, you won't be able to recognize whether a person is able to be happy, no matter what, just because they choose to be happy, no matter what. Let me say that again. I I purposely wrote it so it sounds like you know, kind of artistically jumbled, <laughs> wordsmithing it, but let me just say it again. The only person we can be happy with no matter what is a person who knows how to be happy no matter what. The problem, challenge, issue is if you're not someone who knows how to be happy no matter what, you won't be able to recognize whether a person is able to be happy no matter what just because they choose to be happy no matter what. You have to be happy. You have to know how to be happy no matter what first. To and recognize. One, right, to recognize, but also to maintain the emotional environment of happiness. Oh, that's where there's a deficit for me. Got it. Okay. Yeah, no matter what. You know, like, you know, I want to be happy. I don't care what you're thinking. 
I know I could be triggered. <sighs> Let me get rid of my triggers. Okay, now I'll be happy no matter what. And that's it. You know, out, out happy him. Yeah. Until the emotional environment is such. You ever been to Yankee Stadium? No, no, but I've been to the uh, Los Angeles Stadium. Okay. Awesome. So I don't know what it's like at the Los Angeles Stadium, the Dodgers, right? Yeah, the Dodgers. Yeah. But I know that the Dodgers must have, like, chilling memories. Chilling. Nolan Ryan, um, uh, Jackie Robinson. Got to be, like, they got legendary players over there. Yeah, and they do. I'll, I, I don't know all of those names because I'm a Yankees fan, so I'm just going to give you the Yankees version of that. Okay. When you When you get to Yankee Stadium, it's in the South Bronx. And when you come outside, it takes up this huge space, plus they got super extra huge space for parking. But when you're on 161st Street, which is the main entrance to Yankee Stadium, mm-hmm. they have this street. It's called Babe Ruth Way. Oh, now, Okay. You've heard you've heard of Babe Ruth, yeah, right? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. He for many years was the greatest home run hitter. You could probably still say he is the greatest home run hitter. There's other there's a couple of players that hit more home runs, but the way he was hitting them, off the chain, bananas. Like he it's just crazy, you know. When people was barely hitting ten home runs a year, he'd hit sixty. Oh man. Exactly. Beautiful. Right? Beautiful. So he's got all the so they've got all of these memories of him out on the street. And then when you go inside, you got all of these players with their numbers retired. Derek Jeter, Mickey Mantle, oh, my God, Lou Gehrig, right? You've heard of Lou Gehrig's disease, right? Alzheimer's, yeah. is, Lou, Alzheimer's is Lou Gehrig's disease. Oh, uh, well, okay. I don't know if it's Alzheimer's, but he's got a he's – got uh, a disease that's named after him because he's the first one that was publicly known to have it. I think it was oh, Alzheimer's, okay. but I'm not. But I'm not sure if it was Alzheimer's or some other some other muscle deterioration disease he had, and that's what made him quit baseball. But him and Babe Ruth was on the same team. That's why he was winning championships. Anyhow, I'm bringing this up because those memories make people. Proud to be a Yankees fan, just like Nolan Ryan and Jackie Robinson in Los Angeles make people proud to be Dodgers fans. Same in Cincinnati and all of that stuff. And then you look at the basketball teams and the football teams, same story. They create these memories, and these memories create the emotional environment. Yeah. So it's time for you to start creating happy, loving, exciting memories. Oh my goodness. Yes. That is actually my my uh, my plan. Uh as soon as I'm I complete team June fifth. Well June second, but I come back from Texas June fifth. And yes. I'm so excited to take on these uh little adventures where we're all left with the experience of being happy in uh in a united family. Yes. Excellent. Well, that's your job now because that's how you're going to change the emotional environment of your relationship. And there you have it. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tony. This has been an exceptional training. 
I got a lot out of it. My pleasure. That's why I'm like, I'm glad. That's why I love recording the sessions because there's no way I can repeat anything I said here other than what I wrote. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know. But your listening and your speaking brings out of me extra stuff, you know? So I'm glad this is recorded. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, so your assignment uh, is to identify your top emotional triggers, but also I want to tell you that what you're already going to do, I already know you said you're going to do it, is to um, identify um, your, um, identify Rob's highest principles, the principles that he's, that he lives, that he actually is, whether he's living by them or not. Okay, identify. Yeah. And listen him as the distinction of those principles you know care whatever and if you don't see any ex- any things on those lists whatever is present to you let it let it be a memory jogger if you see thing if you don't see what what's what what defines him what his most most truly him then um you know write them on the list anyhow don't let that list limit you to what's what's possible or what's real okay Know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. And then the other thing is, you can look at the list of triggers, the list of things that are negative principles, and then just think about what the opposite of that principle is, and then maybe that'll help you to see something about it too. You know, okay. As well as as well as yourself. So, all right. Okay. So uh, that's it. You're done. You can let me know uh, when you want to do it. You want to do it at the same time next week, or you let me know. Um, yeah, give me a, a, like two or three weeks to process this one and and Got play it, it and um, and create the uh, principles with Rob, identify them, and mm-hmm. start listening to him from those and see what I get out of that. Okay, well I'll and, check with you. I'll check with you not this weekend, um, not 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 your team weekend, but the like the weekend afterwards. I'll check with you. All right. Okay, sounds good. Awesome. Thank you. This is awesome. Oh, my God. Loved it. Thank you. <laughs> Me too. All right. Okay. Bye, Tony. All right, bye. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.